Okay, this is Rona Geek and Fish Podcast, episode 85. We're still trying to pump out a little bit of content in light of everything going on. We are remote still and socially isolated, of course, as per the big plan. And uh, and, we're, and we're working hard to flatten the curve. So that's that's on us, not on you, right? As in you guys. What? <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all on us. It's all on our shoulders now. As in, like we here at Ronin Geek, we are we are now responsible for solving all of COVID. That's I don't know if there's anybody else to rely on. To be honest with you, <laughs> well, it's, it's going to be hard to rely on anybody when you're the only one at the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> We've already vetted everyone. Uh, gonna, None of it's working. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Honestly, if we're if we're humanity's last hope, just give up humanity. You're done. Get over it. You had a good time. You remember that time we all went to war, and remember that time where we were Egyptians and stuff like that. It was great, but we're done. We had a good run. There was a good run there. So good. <laughs> Six, seven thousand year run. We did good. We did good, people. So anyway, that that's how we're starting this episode off. This is Alex Austin, and, and not in a room with me today, I have. Uh, we got plebeian and isolated Adam. And just Rob. And just Rob. And we are going to talk about some Final Fantasy VII news today. We're going to talk about some other playing and watching. There's not a whole lot else going on in the world of gaming right now. Everything's canceled, guys. <laughs> Like all of the big shows, all of the all of the big news events. No. Uh, it, it was kind of up to Sony to do their own release, press release, or whatever they want to do for the PS5. Uh, but that hasn't really panned out the way we thought it would. In fact, uh, we're hearing different things now, conflicting information. Just like we were talking about right before this recording started, the uh, DualSense was announced, which mm-hmm. is the PS5 controller, apparently. So it's no longer called DualShock. Now it's called DualSense. So the DualShock 5 does not exist, and it will not exist, apparently. <laughs> never. Never again. Never again. And uh, it, The name was kind of irrelevant. It's like DualShock. Like, it's because you have two rumblers in it. Get over it. Everyone has two rumblers <laughs> in it. It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. It was kind of, at this point, you're right. It was kind of irrelevant. Like uh, that, that was a big thing back in the day. And that was also, wasn't that the first dual analog controller as well? Yes, it was. PlayStation yeah, got so, that honor. So it had dual shock as in the rumble, and it also had dual joysticks. So that was a PlayStation thing first before it was anybody else's. And then, of course, Xbox jumped on that game uh, as well with uh, with their staggered joysticks, which continue to this day to some extent. This is big news for a couple reasons. One is because uh, the controller itself sounds cool. They're talking about it having adaptive trigger and haptic feedback. So basically what that means is if you're playing a game and you shoot like a bow and arrow, you should actually be able to feel some tension on the joystick that you're using to pull back the string on the game itself, which is pretty cool. Like that's wait, something wait, so I haven't they were seen saying, before. That's one thing I didn't understand. Okay, so they're not just saying the the trigger is just going to vibrate. It's actually going to resist you, like have physical resistance. That's my understanding is, yeah, it's actually going to have physical resistance. It's going to be adapted oh, to what's happening. I'm going to break screen. that fucking controller. I'm going to yeah. break it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's gonna. I, I'm gonna be. You know. Hey. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull the trigger, and it's gonna be like. Hey. Just so you know, gripping that tree is a little tough. So I'm gonna put some resistance on. I'm gonna go. Fuck. It's broken. I'm just gonna squeeze as hard as I can, and then the and break it and break it. And the controller is gonna be like, man, why the hell did you squeeze so hard? Why the hell did you make me squeeze so hard? What the hell? Yeah. The the dual sense definitely looks like a departure. I think um, it's still a sleek looking controller. It still has the joysticks kind of at the same latitude on a controller similar to the DualShock series. So like on first glance, it'll look to be a lot like a streamlined DualShock 4. Uh, It's a nice looking controller. I'll be really honest. It looks like a shitty Xbox controller. (laughs) You know, you know what? I actually disagree. I actually know exactly what this is. First off, though, it looks like a USB-C finally. So that's good. Yeah, <laughs> that's actual, a big that's a big bet. The the controller actually just looks like the PS4 controller married the Vita because those buttons look like the Vita. Buttons. <laughs> Holy shit, they do! You're right. They just had they just had like yeah. a whole factory floor sitting full of Vita buttons and boxes, and they're no, like, we gotta, no, we no, use them. no, no. What they did was they took a PlayStation. I would They took a PlayStation Four. They slowly integrated it into the cage of a Vita. And over time, they got them acclimated to each other so that eventually they would mate and produce this controller. Now we have the PlayStation Vita Dual 5 Sense. Like, I don't know. <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah. what are we going to get here? I, I just don't understand it. And, and what what's really weird about this news is all they've introduced is the controller. So this is presumably, this is what, seven months away? Less than seven months from the potential release <laughs> of the PS5? Two things to note. One... 
are any of the controllers? You know that I'm not a, I'm not a console guy, so I don't think about these types of things. But um, are any of the console controllers wirelessly chargeable? Not yet. Or like surface chargeable. Like, you know, you know, you know, cell phones. You can just put them on the surface. No, they're, they're not induction charging. No. Okay, you know what? When you do induction charging, you let me know. Because <laughs> <laughs> really, that should be the feature. Am it I, am would I crazy? be a pretty good feature. What if you could just like lay I mean, the, yeah. the controller on top of the system and the system did the That's, charging? Yeah, that's that, what I'm saying. That to me, that would have been a sellout. That if they had, if they'd come out and said like, "Hey, this is what our controller does," I would have lost my fucking mind. I would be like, "Oh crap, that that's amazing." And then all I have to do is sell maybe like a tower that can hold one or two more, and maybe hold it cleaner. Once, but you don't again, have to plug we re- it in. Rewritten the book for an OEM, so we keep doing that. <laughs> so. I mean, it it would be nice if that was also how you tied in the actual like uh, pairing it with the system. Oh yeah, like just put it on top, push a button, and boom. Yeah, just put it on top. Yeah, oh, that'd be so like, whatever sweet. It is, just, Top, you wouldn't even have to push top. a button. You just, yeah, you're right. You just put it on top and it, it kind of Bluetooth. It, yeah, you're right. That would just work. It would just sense it. Fu- yeah. Like, come on, guys. It, if it takes a bunch of Goombas like us to figure this out, we're the kind of guys that walk around and get stomped on by Mario, okay? Yet we can figure this out. Why aren't they putting this out? <laughs> Highly sure, accurate. Sure Highly a, accurate on that. I don't one. think it's. I doubt it's got to be. It cannot be a limitation of ideas, right? It's got to come down to cost. It's got to. But cell phones do it for probably not much cost, so I couldn't see it being, you know. And these controllers cost basically a hundred bucks a pop anyway. So I, I mean, yeah, I would argue against you, but the thing is that I've gone to numerous uh, shows, like electronic shows, and gotten uh, contactless chargers uh, for my phones for free. They just handed them to me. Yeah, exactly. They're not special. <laughs> Yeah, they're not special. They don't cost a lot to make. Yeah, you don't so, run into a high cost on those until you get into like the the eight or ten watt guys are bigger, right? Once you start getting into the higher speed wireless right. charging, then they start getting pretty costly. But lower speed wireless charging at this point is dirt cheap. Like, so say if you wanted it to take as yeah. long as it takes to charge a PlayStation controller, okay, that technology already exists and it's already cheap. <laughs> so it's not. Yeah. It, it doesn't need to be even new technology. That's the crazy thing. Yeah. And yeah. it'd be perfect because it's one of those things you put it on, you go to bed at night. By the time you're up in the morning, it's charged. But unfortunately, yeah, the, the PS5 won't do any of the down. things we're talking about right now. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Uh, game makers are saying the system is difficult to develop for, and a particular problem with it is the benchmarks. So they're saying the Xbox Series X uh, is is benchmarked so much higher, and it's so much easier to develop for because of that. So there's no constraints they're working under uh, with the development kit of the Series X versus the PlayStation 5. So that's one thing that's come out uh recently uh, aside fact, from specs yeah, yeah aside from specs there really isn't much difference like ones you i don't even know if one's using amd or one's using intel but as far as i'm aware they're basically just computers nowadays back in the day you know consoles were different and yeah they were more you know self-made hardware so you had to use their programming stuff but Nowadays, they're just any, like any other computer. Right? Well, the Series X was built vertically, which means it's going to be a more efficient machine in general. Because as we know with fans and things like that, it's it's better if it's a machine that's running vertically as opposed to horizontally. And then, so here's what's happening now. I believe there's some talk in the background about Sony potentially going back to the drawing board on the physical design of the PS5, which might explain why we didn't even have a single image of it yet. Like, they literally debuted a controller before the system. So they're certain about the controller. They're certain the controller is where they're headed. But uh, but the system at this point, you know, six or six and a half months out from the console's release is uh, pretty surprising. I mean, it'll probably be delayed at this point because... I think it will. ...given, like, plus or minus the COVID, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they're realizing, A, they got beat out in specs, right? B, they got beat out in... got to the punch, right? They weren't the first to release... And I, I, I kind of suspect that we're seeing sort of a Sonic thing where they're like, hey, someone accidentally totally cheated and, and snuck out the yeah. art <laughs> of the thing. And everyone looked at it and went, that looks dumb. What the hell, guys? <laughs> that, that looks like it's from the 90s. Why would you make these decisions? And everyone at PlayStation, at Sony kind of went, oh, 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 you think it's bad? Yeah, no, that's that's totally fake concept art. No, totally. Scrap it, scrap it. The big difference with the big difference with Sonic is they went back to the producer guys and they're like, so um, we're gonna need another check. And they're like, well, how the hell much more do you want to make this stupid fucking movie? And they're like, um, well, they don't like the Sonic, so like thirty million dollars should just about do it. <laughs> 
Or no, they went in and they're like, 50 million should do it. He's like, I'll give you 30. And they're like, okay. You know what? <laughs> if if any it. other company can learn something, I think Sonic actually made money now. So you know what? Yeah. Yeah. But Sony's going to have to throw like 300 million at this. <laughs> it's going to be a hell of a lot. That is the one thing that actually I'm super psyched about that Sonic did turn profitable because uh, that is a huge uh, power to the people. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, now uh, now I'm curious if they'll do it with movies that came out like a while ago. Like like Star Wars? Like Venom? Uh, like Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> Just take it, take it back. Take it back. Fix it. Re-release you know, hey, it. Watching... Make a different timeline. I, I know this well. is... You've already fucking done that. <laughs> I know this is going on a weird tangent, but... Um, there was, I, I was watching a developer or reading a developer's comments about how they were kind of upset about that because they hate the idea of, you know, uh, populist development, right? Now that the populace in the world is in charge of what gets made. And my first thought, I was like, yeah, I kind of agree with them. You're supposed to have an artistic vision. On the other hand, most of these big movies are made for marketing. They're made with with us in mind they, they're made to make it for us and what we want but yeah, no. they just don't know what we want because we can't we couldn't communicate as clearly now we can it almost seems like a good idea if they were to show more test footage of things to show well, us th- what that's weird because what i really wanted to see was sonic but he would have like uh like the fuzzy balls like a cat like i thought that'd be <laughs> super funny and uh, they didn't listen to me so i don't know what the deal is there <laughs> if you make comments you like what, that no man. one's gonna listen <laughs> tell, tell you what man 10 million and i'll get you an edit there's a guy cutting deals under the table you want to see his balls it'll be another 10 mil <laughs> <laughs> you have to come up to you have to drive up to the street at night and pull pull him into your window that's the only way the deal works <laughs> you want to see yeah. fuzzy balls <laughs> Oh my god! I mean, I have to assume he was fixed at some point, right? Like, that's I'm why not I... gonna, s- I, I'm not gonna talk about his fuzzy balls too much. But you know, Sonic, he does come quickly. <laughs> oh god! Oh yes! Oh, All right, yes. that is a change to topic if I've ever heard one. This would have been more funny and more relevant like three months ago. We're so good. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we are so on the ball as per usual. We may not be first, but we can almost guarantee we're last. <laughs> oh my god! Well, speaking of, uh, speaking of things that we're going to be last on, uh, get started starting the conversation on Final Fantasy VII remake. I know uh, I've played the crap out of it, and I think uh, you guys are going to get started on it soon. Or Rob, did you already get started on it? On what? On Final Fantasy VII remake. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that no. was bad. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, uh, I have not. Oh, man. The, the uh, plan actually, is, is I'm Adam, picking up the PlayStation Adam. tomorrow, and I'm going to buy it. Yeah, and then he gets to do it after that because he he wanted to wait for it. Yeah. So. yeah, Well, I can give you some preliminary thoughts on it for for my playing and watching next. That's really. <laughs> it like that's all i've played and watched that and I, i've been back in order trying to hit the tier 10 stuff like i mentioned last week but uh but man final fantasy 7 guys is uh wow they really they really blew it away they really really blew it away like i'm i'm, I'm actually kind of shocked at how good it turned out yeah I, i'm really amazed by i, I watched the, here's the deal is I, I i thought i could hold back you know i was like okay i'm just gonna hold back i'm not gonna do this i i have time maybe it'll come out for pc and then later i went okay no i, I need to watch it. i need to see it and so I started watching some Let's Plays, and then I went, shit, I got to play this game. It looks so gorgeous. It, it's one of those things where I truly think they took what everyone wanted out of a remake, and they didn't just remake the game shot for shot. They went for the spirit of the game. They said, we want to expand. We have more technology. We want to expand the story. We want to expand the characters. And they really went for it. Yeah, this is this is a really interesting situation here because we have essentially the entire original team sans uh, Sakaguchi because he he now runs Mistwalker Studios, so he's no longer with Square Enix. However, you have, for instance, Tetsuya Nomura, 
who was once the he was sort of the key art director, the uh, the guy who actually made the original Final Fantasy VII characters. Uh, he was the director on this one with a couple other guys who who I, who I don't recognize as quickly. The producer on this one uh, on the remake is Yoshinori Kitase. He was the director on the original. He was the scenario director <laughs> of the original. So it's just re- interesting to see these guys kind of moving up uh, in the interim. However, Tetsu, Tetsuya Nomura, of course, has spearheaded the entire Kingdom Hearts franchise. Uh, obviously using a lot of his Final Fantasy 7 characters throughout the throughout that series as well mm-hmm. yeah uh, many times as a matter of fact uh, yeah. showcasing them so and then of course you have Nobu Uematsu coming back to reprise his soundtrack and the soundtrack is unfucking believable there's so much to it um, and and I think I think quote so much to it is kind of the operative phrase here because I mean this is riding off a you know seven or eight hour you know part of the original game like off the first disc and yeah. Midgar was it, it was cool, like it was a thing you got through, but it felt like the whole if it, it all felt like a prologue in that game in the original. And in this, it's the whole game. That's all you have is the prologue. But what they've done is they've they fleshed it out. And obviously, some things they took that just you know little moments that just now take a little bit longer because there's conversation happening around them now and actual voice acting and something right. to watch. Right, so it's very cinematic. But in other ways, they they've they've crafted a, a completely original game and and that's what i'm most shocked by i mean just the 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 way the action is kind of flowing together and the way that they're taking um like for instance one thing like like the biking scene in the original final fantasy 7 when you're trying to escape from from the center of midgar and you're fighting off the back of a bike there's a version of that early on in this game now and and it is guys it's unfucking believable like i i'm blown away <laughs> by the quality uh, of the action and the graphics and the flow and everything it's absolutely gorgeous and and the kind and and the icing on the cake here is the way that they're sort of reintroducing characters from the original so you have like you know Barrett and Tifa you know Biggs Wedge Jesse all of the Avalanche guys are in there but they're all very fleshed out now Jesse's a really cool character she's kind of a you know pseudo love interest for for Cloud as well and then uh, <laughs> or I guess not no he, she is not a cloud interest she is not a a relationship interest for Cloud. Yeah, he's a relationship interest for her, rather, I guess. <laughs> exactly. As, as it's is the very case one all, way. As is the case with all the women in that game. But they've also <laughs> introduced some new characters, too. Like, there's this one guy they've introduced called Roche, and he's actually a um, a soldier himself, similar to Cloud. So he has the same background. He's like this, you know, biological weapon of a soldier, right? So he is the the, mm-hmm. the Mako in him. And, uh, and he shows up on a bike, to battle you on the road in that first bike chase scene and and it's insane like it's i it's, it's hard to describe but the bikes are just flying around all over the place and you're flipping through the air and then you're whipping your sword out at them and there's just there's so much beautiful beautiful violence and uh honestly i was just completely blown away by that whole sequence and then uh and then immediately after that sequence is this very calm quieted like you're walking through this neighborhood on one of the plates outside Midgar where the Shinra employees live and your mission is to go inside Jesse's house to steal a key card while she has her mother distracted like her childhood home and and huh. I, I'm just like just the complexity of figuring out how all of these pieces fit together the way they do and how complex the story beats are throughout is just mind-boggling to me how they figured this all out and how they fleshed it out it really is Tell honestly it's like a mastery of Final Fantasy storytelling. Like, I, I think they've mastered it. It's so good. Oh it is God. really good to see that these are the guys who originally made it. And you can tell these are guys who, at this point in their life, they consider that Final Fantasy VII one of the best things in their lives. And they looked at this and went, hey, you, hey, bosses, they all want this game. Let us do it. Let us take this. Let us do what we've always wanted to do. We were limited back then. We weren't maybe we weren't nearly as good writers, and we weren't as we were we weren't uh, we didn't have the technology to do what we needed to do. Now we have both of those things. It it's not a joke that first of all I, I'm amazed the PlayStation can run this. I I, I always oh, make fun of consoles for how consoles run stuff, and they're usually not as good quality as you know the top tier play, uh, PCs that I have. Yet it's able to run the game that, as far as I can tell, in-game graphics are as good as the Advent Children movie was. Yeah, absolutely, you're correct, 100%. You're right. So it's uh, and that was a that was a 120 million dollar production of a film back then, right? And and that they made into the movie. In fact, uh, it's improved on the movie too, and that the character designs are better. 
Uh, the action flows a little bit better. It's just, uh, <laughs> it, it's wild. And then, and then seeing the characters in motion in a way that I never have before. It's really impressive to see the characters from the battle sequences because it's only in the battle sequences that you really get a sense of what these characters look like uh, throughout the original Final Fantasy VII. There's a few very short CG clips like pre-rendered cg but it doesn't look very good so really the the most you see of the full-size characters in the original game is in the battle sequences so it's cool to see how the real-time active time battle system the real-time atb works out in this one and uh man the the battles are just they're vicious they're absolutely vicious the cloud just uh you get it you certainly get a sense that he's more powerful than the average bear the way he's whipping around the buster sword and just uh he's just it's wild. I, I've never seen combat like it in, in 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 anything before. Quite like it. It's it's very unique, very cool looking, and uh, and it's cool that you have different f- stances. You can switch between two different stances with him too. I think one of my favorite things of and this is this is not just Final Fantasy. It's not a jab at Final Fantasy. It's, it's a jab at most Japanese action games and most action games in general. But there's this entire scene where. You know, Cloud's got this giant sword. He's whipping around, flipping like a fucking, I don't know, like a jackknife just everywhere with this thing. And then, you know, he can leap off, you know, during the explosion scene. He leaps this huge distance, you know, without a sweat. And then he has to climb a ladder slowly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he doesn't jump off the ladder. He has to climb down the ladder step by step. So he can't even slide down. It's true. And and therein lies part of the design challenge because there are moments in it where I'm just like, well, shouldn't I just be able to do this? Like climb over this little wall or, you know, climb over this pile of garbage or whatever it is. There are moments in the game where you realize like, oh, like this is clearly where design meets you know what what this character can actually do you know what i mean it's it's yeah. just it's completely it completely breaks down what you can actually do because yeah, of, there is a moment yeah. where you know cloud turns a corner he turns around and there's just a after the explosion there's just a wall of rubble and the wall yeah. is decently high you and i would look at that and go yeah that's questionable i probably wouldn't <laughs> climb that and cloud just looks and goes yeah can't go that way i'm like what do you mean just jump it <laughs> It's it's crazy because, you know, between then and now, between 1997 and now, we've had, you know, all of these open world titles as well. So I think I think we're used to just being able to see a thing now and going toward it in most games. Right. Particularly games that are, you know, fully 3D rendered in a world that you can kind of run around in. Obviously, in this game, it's only a pseudo open world. Uh, If you really think about it, there's no world map in this one. So everything is just a path that you're on. Yeah. Realistically. Like that's yeah. the the whole game is just various paths all intersecting with one another. And then uh for good portions of the game, you can't travel all the paths at any given time. Uh in fact there's some portions of the game you only travel the path once. And so you have to wait for the end of the end game to be able to go back and, and do things that you that you missed before. Yeah. Uh, and they do I'm give okay you the opportunity. with that. Yeah. I'm okay with that as long as it tells a good concise story, which I know it does. So Oh man, uh, it's it's very, it's very totally cool. Worth it. And it's taking some uh, plot threads as well and really flushing them out, particularly the cloud as the love interest for many different women, uh, although none of them appear to be his love interest. And uh, so that's all going on. Uh, I do like his only love interest is his sword. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big, long swords. Basically, that actually leads me to my only gripe about the game so far is the way the female characters have been portrayed. Like they're tough and they're independent, but they're all like kind of the same character, except Aerith is slightly chippier than the mm-hmm. other two, Jesse and Tifa. Tifa's a little bit dry. Jesse's, she's almost Aerith, but not quite that chippy. And anyway, it's just, I think that they have like a prototype of a female that they find attractive in terms of personality. And so all of them are basically just different flavors of that female. I don't think <laughs> it's so much that, like, obviously it's definitely, there's a, there's a tie into that, but yeah. I think they were, these characters were designed in what, the 90, 90s? When, when did the first one come out? 97? Oh, 97. Yeah. Yeah. So they were designed in 97, which, you know, even that short of distance ago, the female cast in video games were basically just there for boobs and I think this is a carryover from that. They 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 couldn't get away from that. If they changed the characters too much, people would go, "Well, this isn't this isn't these characters." Well, it's a problem so, because early on, the only thing that really differentiates them is like the slight shade of their brown hair and the size of their breasts. Like that's really all that differentiates them early on in the game. <laughs> Otherwise, they're kind of the same person. Like it's weird, but like if you as I'm playing, I'm like, well, they, they all seem very similar. But now that I've played with uh, Aerith for a while longer, uh, I, I know for sure that she is the most annoying character in the game. So I, I could tell you that <laughs> beyond a shadow of a doubt. 
So spoiler alert, you're okay that she gets stabbed. I'm like, when does she die again? Is that disc two? Is that... <laughs> oh, trust me. I can tell you exactly when it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And, uh, yeah, <sighs> but, man, it, it's crazy good so far, guys. I, I'm very impressed by it. Uh, the way that they kind of get around some trickier things in terms of in terms of game design are pretty ingenious. So, for one, you don't really have access to a lot of summon materia in the original Final Fantasy VII when you're in Midgar. So, what they've done in this is now there's this kid who's like sort of Shinra, but he's kind of anti-Shinra. Anyway, he's some sort of genius. So, he puts you into these VR battles as quote-unquote research with summons and if you beat them you get them as a materia so they've kind of found some creative ways to get around some Mm. of the constraints of just making a flat-out remake of the original disc from from uh, the ps1 game so which i'm pretty impressed by like they've done a very good job uh of being creative with the solutions in this game and and you know, I, I mentioned it's all on paths, but by by no means does it feel small because at any given time, you know, if you're in anywhere in the slums underneath the city, you can see the huge, gigantic vastness of the space that you're in. You can see the plates above you and you can see like the light shining through in really like dramatic looking ways. Like it, it's wild, man. Like I, I just I can't believe how like diverse and and how beautiful and also how disgusting they were able to make Midgar kind of all at once. Uh, they did they did an awesome job. Like I just I'm so impressed by it. Well, they did a good so, job. Uh, even on yeah, the starting overall, man, I would say in comparison to the previous game because they in this starting cinematic of this one they spend more time and I'm realizing the symbolisms that they had in the other in the previous game that they that they just sort of more overtly show in this one. Yes. This one they spend more time on Midgar and they show you the dying grass, the dying plants. Yes. They show you the planet dying, oh, whereas dude. before they kind of yeah. just were like, oh, yeah, no, see, this is Aerith. She she loves the planet and plants because that's why she's a flower girl. Oh, and someone steps on the flower. That means it's, you know, the planet's dying. And, and there's no one else trash. Cares. There's trash everywhere. So it's like you're almost like yeah. it's almost like you're playing through. And they mentioned the war, the war a few times, the previous war that Shinra had fought. And uh, everywhere around you when you're down in the slums, everywhere is like broken down tanks and APCs and weapons and just huh. piles of trash. And you can tell this is all refuse from from the mass consumption that took place during the war. So you're kind of, you know, you're kind of just living in the rubble of what happened before. Right. Uh, and, and it's really interesting in, in that regard because this, you know, similar to, you know, how we have affection for Star Wars because it's a very lived in universe. Here's, uh, you know, an RPG series, a Japanese RPG series of all things that feels so incredibly lived in, like just over the top lived in. Right. Uh, to the point where people are just piecing the new world together out of the trash of the old world. And, uh, and I love it. Like, I love that. Like, it's just so cool. And, uh, and, and I'm just, I'm so digging the slums and Midgard. And I'm just, I'm finding areas that I really like to visit. And the game's just freaking gorgeous. Like, it's unbelievable that, uh, my standard PS4 can run this thing. But, yeah. uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, boy, it's, it's a must play. Like, I, I'm, I'm kind of blown away by it still. Like, uh, Man, oh man, but I'll yeah. but I'll step off that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, step off. Yeah, I'm gonna step off now. You're you're coming off hard here. You're you're giving us the hard sell. We get it. I'm full boner on this game. Okay, full boner. <laughs> Shut up, fanboy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you're you're just a corporate shell. They paid you to say all these things. Oh, oh I God. wish, but no. <laughs> <laughs> if no. they paid me, I'd say. I it. paid eighty dollars to download it. that game. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, and I ended up not getting the special edition because I was looking at it and it comes with like, uh, like I'm stuck at home, obviously, because of what's going on. But I, I was looking at like the digital art book and stuff. And I'm like, well, when it has a soundtrack and a digital art book, but I'm never going to check that stuff out outside the game. And I think that it came with um, one extra summon. It came with the Cactuar summon. And I was just like, man, yeah. for like an extra 30 bucks, like, I don't really care. Like, I just don't. And uh, I can I can 100 <laughs> yeah. percent the game without the Cactuar summon. So anyway, it's it's whatever. But yeah, I ended up just going with the standard edition of the game. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but yeah. that's that's basically my whole playing and watching. Man, I got I got nothing else. <laughs> well, you know, I'm kind of glad we can carry the team here. I, I at least got a something <laughs> other than what has mostly been consuming my life. Work. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. I, I've given up work. Work basically doesn't... I, I do barely any work right now. Um, no, at first I spent uh, the first half of the week doing a lot of... Um, we actually got a lot of tabletop uh, simulator with um, the kill team for 
40k. Oh, that's. Yeah. I was trying to remember what you were playing, and uh, so I was talking to somebody about they were they were talking about um, Foundry or something, and I was like, oh, I'm trying to remember what you'd been playing, and if it was on Foundry, I couldn't remember. Um, Kill Team, though, that was it. Yeah, but the so I, I got to play what is ostensibly my first game on it using Tabletop Simulator. We were all painting our models and getting ready to play. Yeah. And then this happened, and we all kind of just, what the fuck is going on? How do we do this? So someone discovered Tabletop Simulator. I don't want to say they discovered it, but they looked it up, went, okay, this can be done. And we brought it to the masses and went, okay, let's all do this. So we played our first, I played my official first game. I've played a few since then. And it is really good. I I genuinely, they kind of designed it to be 40K light. Uh, you know, the, the first hit's free type okay. of thing yeah, for yeah. 40k they want you to get a uh, you know to l- in love with this and then you'll spend all your money on yeah, the yeah. full 40k oh yeah i'm not going to do that because i'm not insane <laughs> he says right now i uh, give him a couple months after covid and we'll see what he says <laughs> yeah no it's still not gonna happen uh, okay sure kill team already a, a single game for us and you know we're looking up rules and taking our time but it's you know somewhere in the realm of two to three hours a game Oh, God, really? Yeah, it, 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 Kill Team, no, nah, it's not true. Sorry, I'm thinking of um, 40K. It, it's, it's, about, it's about an hour, hour and a half a game, you know, especially the first time. And it gets reduced. Every time we play, it gets reduced. So I would, I would suspect that at our peak, a game will probably take 45 minutes-ish to an hour. So it's, it's pretty decently long. And one thing I noticed most on it... Uh, two two main observations. One, they clearly designed it, like I said, to be the first hit for 40K. So it takes over a lot of the rules from 40K. But if you just do that at a smaller value the way it is now, it won't work. The game will break. So they clearly made some adjustments, some rules adjustments to fit. And I think they're making a mistake. They're trying to keep true to Warhammer 40K as much as possible. And in some scenarios, that doesn't work out really well. The rules could use a bit of cleaning up and made easier, um, and that's a problem. They have to make a decision, ultimately. Do they want to keep it as a you know baby's first 40K, or do they want to make it a completely separate product? And everyone's sort of expecting, you can see in the community, there's a feeling of, is there going to be a version 2 coming out soon that they make that decision? And that's kind of what everyone's waiting for right now, is that, what direction is this going to go in? I can't really get a feeling for how people want it because it seems to be sp- the world seems to be split, but whatever. Um, on the other hand, every round, you honestly, a game lasts five-ish rounds, four to five-ish rounds. That's it, Rob. Huh? That's what takes forty-five minutes. Wow. Yeah, I was going to say forty-five minutes sounds more like the time frame for a game like that. I mean, that's the way. Once you start playing forty k, even not kill team. Because Kill Team has a little bit more to it. But, like, when you're playing the regular 40k game, uh, games are going to take 30, 45 minutes with an experienced uh, set of players. And like, yeah, uh, with, like, a thousand-point army. Yeah. As far as I can understand, tournament games um, for no, 40k... No, let's not talk about, like, th- if, well, okay. Tournament, tournament 40k fine. games take about three hours. That's very different. Pick up and play games. Like, just, like... 1,000 points, rules is written, 40k. Like, in the store, 40k. Everyone that I've talked to that plays 40k right now, which is a lot of the guys who do the kill team thing, they all say it's minimum two hours for 40k really? right now. For how many points, though? Uh, about 1,000. About 1,000 to 1,500. Somewhere in that range. I would be, I'd be very surprised, but okay. I don't know. I, I haven't played in years, so what I know is just through hearsay. Yeah, because like when whenever I've gone to Games Workshop to play, it's it does not take that long. Yeah, eh, whatever. <laughs> but it, in the five turns, it, it's crazy because the the pendulum swings so drastically every round. Mm-hmm. So the whole time you're every round you're like, oh my god! Every round that you play on, you're the underdog. Every single round that you play on. So you're always just trying to get out from underneath. You always have to keep up on that. Um, and then yeah. usually, like, the last round, you're like, okay, we know who wins. 
because everyone's lost all their yeah. units or, you know, you're, you've got one round away and it's, even then I've had times, there was one time where I lost my entire army except for one unit. I swear to God, I lost, I lost my entire army except for one unit and I won the game. That's because sweet. The nice. victory That's sweet. wasn't based on how many kills you had. It was based on, uh, you know, some other thing and the guy just, the, my opponent just didn't notice, wasn't paying attention, was, you know, too blood frenzied hungry. And then right at the end, we looked at the rules, like an exact, you know, how you score points. And I sat there and won. I was oh, I, I won. Holy crap. So You should maybe read the, read the parameters of the mission before yeah, you finish it. it, it absolutely. So it, it is fun, Rob. I, th- I think you would enjoy it. You just have to make sure that you put aside time for it. No, I know. Yeah, and that's fine. I'm thinking maybe one of these mornings, instead of uh, diving into Warhammer, maybe we can, uh, like, Total War Warhammer. We can uh, try that, maybe. Speaking of Total War Warhammer, Rob, would you like yeah. to take the, the next, uh, what I've been playing all week? No, no. You can, by all means. I'll just I'll, I'll drop in my little bits here and there. Okay, uh, so I've been playing a game. Uh, it's not called Total War Warhammer. It's called Total Warhammer. Um, they're not one and the same because one's a stupid name and one's a good name. Um, yeah, I, I've been kind of thinking about it and I, I didn't get the game Total War Warhammer. I didn't get it for the longest time because I knew my computer couldn't handle, I couldn't handle Shogun 2. So, uh, my old computer, I knew it wasn't going to happen. So with the new computer, I had a hard time with it. I didn't want to spend the money. I didn't really want to spend the time. I knew it was going to be a long time. Other games were coming out. And finally, now that I'm here and in a scenario where I can play long-winded lots of games, I decided to pick it up. I picked up the one game, played it for about five minutes, and went, oh, Christ, oh, Christ, I'm going to go buy the other one because you can get different races and things like that. I have basically been playing it nonstop. I haven't (laughs) won anything. Um, I don't know how long an average campaign lasts, but my longest one right now is about 180 rounds, and I'm still nowhere near winning. Like, not even, I haven't even made the first step yet. Yeah. And I'm basically constantly losing. I, I have spent 40 <laughs> hours playing this game, and I have not once gotten... And we're talking like 180 rounds is two days' worth of work for me. It's two days of, of playing the game, pretty much. Yeah, do you, do so you, you feel like you're, you're getting well, you're better, though? Like, is there payoff? Oh, for sure. Oh, okay. Oh, there's definite payoff. Oh, he, oh, he's definitely been getting better because I actually played with him on the first day you had it or the second day you had it. You and I played the first time I ever played Right. Okay. So, and uh, and he was obviously very like he, he's a gamer, so he knows what he's doing, the basics. But like, you could see that he was still learning a lot of like the wider tactical concepts of right. the game. And then we we've been so we we have been playing off and on. Okay. And uh, we we played some today, and he did a lot a lot better. Um, so it, it's been it's been very interesting. Because it sounds brutal. <laughs> It is. I'm on is. easy. Di- yeah. I'm on the easiest difficulty, and I still can't oh beat the game. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm on the easiest difficulty, and I have lost. I, I have lost Jeez. obviously more often than I've won because I've never won. <laughs> oh, that's crazy, man. Well, it, in all fairness, though, he's won fights like battles. Like he can win battles. Oh, yeah. It's just a matter of he just needs to learn how to ramp up his mid to late game. That's that's exactly it. And the problem is, is it takes so long to get to the late game that it's hard to practice for it. So. Rob is kind of acting as my senpai right now because one of us is on 40 hours and the other one is at what? Three, six, 300, 600. What was it? Oh, um, I'm at, uh, sorry. So, uh, on this, it's 684. <laughs> yeah. 684 uh, hours. One second. Though, if you want to be, if you want to look at it properly, three kingdoms, total war is 151 hours. Attila is 78, 225 for Rome 2, 219 for Shogun 2, 137 for Empire. Dang, dude. And like, that's... Oh, and then of Total Warhammer 1, 285. Oh, what? <laughs> so, I mean... <laughs> yeah. So, and then, like, all of the older games, I spent well, well over a thousand hours on, like, the original Shogun Total War, um, Medieval Total War. Yeah, like, the, the thing is, like... It's not a, it's not a fair bracket to judge against me though because I've been playing these games for a long time. Yeah, right. just so you know, I, I looked it up because I mentioned it to him. Just between the two Total Warhammer games, he has nine hundred and sixty six hours. Last I checked. 
So yeah, it's a significant number. Yeah, between the two of us, the one of us is clearly uh, the better, and we're playing a co-op campaign right now just because I, I I need to get my legs under me. I still can't even beat a campaign, and Rob's just like, "You ready for a versus map?" No, Rob, I'm not fucking ready for a versus. <laughs> They're more fun, though. One of us is a borderline god at this game. The other one is just like, I'm going to go farm the till, my lord. (laughs) (laughs) It's now 969. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, But uh, that's not totally fair, though, because, like, I mean, sure, I've I've been giving you information, but, I mean, you've been using it properly, which is arguably more important than me just spouting off random shit to you. True. It's honestly, I, I was always worried about the depthness of the game. The, um, you know, th- this is one of those games where the amount of different UIs and the amount of different, I don't know, I guess you could call it systems, right? Diplomacy is a system. The, yeah, sure. The economy is a system. The combat is a system. You know, there's all these different systems. And I was always worried, especially because I've played Shogun back in the day, and they were always very difficult for me to wrap my head around all the different aspects it's not so bad i I still think they they do a bad job of explaining some of it diplomacy is really hard to wrap your head around and how things exactly work but i'm Uh, oh there's an easy way to do that actually i'll i'll teach you that at some point oh i already figured out you just (laughs) highlight it it tells you once you highlight it tells you what's the positives and negatives but i didn't know that and the game didn't teach me that right i was just flailing about and i i basically lost a bunch of allies doing dumb shit not realizing what i was doing and eventually gathering that's when you play this game you kind of have to expect to fail a lot you're gonna you know dark soul style you're gonna bash your head at turn 50 then you're gonna bash your head at turn 80 then you're gonna bash your head at turn 100 and you're just gonna keep doing this (laughs) until eventually you make it through and you're like hey wow i got all of the books of nagash (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Wow, man, that sounds, that sounds other, riveting. <laughs> the the other big thing though about this game is that if you come into the game and you play one faction and you lose miserably, do not stop playing because uh, the factions are so drastically different in this game. Huh. So it's, oh, wor- it's worth it to kind of just you, you take the L and then you just kind of move on to the next one and see you know how how can I how, how can this turn out differently for me just based on their on their way of doing things is it, is it that is it that different? Yes. Like the way that really? Yeah. So, so like for for instance, um, the majority of the races play um, a very standard way, which is there are cities on the map. You fight over the cities on right. the map. Right. So if I go and I attack Adam's settlement, you know he's been building it up. He's got like some some buildings that'll give him higher tier units, and he's got some infrastructure stuff. So he's got like some income for his armies and stuff like that. Sure. And that's just kind of how the game is and that is what it is like hey i've played shogun total war i I know how that works but now they've also implemented factions that have no cities they're just hordes and their actual horde movements you carry your city city with you (laughs) that's really cool yeah you carry oh man but the thing is though if that army gets destroyed that city's also that's like radical (laughs) i've never heard of that yeah and well, it was actually, originally that was brought in in Attila Total War. And then they adapted it into Total War Hammer 2. Yeah. Huh. Um, and huh. it was like such an amazing way that they adapted it. Because it didn't work as well in Attila. It works a lot better in Warhammer. Right. Um, like significantly so. And uh, there's there's factions like the Tomb Kings that Adam's been having a huge fling with. Uh, their whole thing, their armies have no upkeep. At all, you don't have to pay you for can, their units. You don't pay for their units at all, but there are caps on how many of the higher tier units you can have. So really, your armies are like a bunch of weakies, and then like a bu- then some stronger guys until you flesh out later in the game, and then you have like no tier one units, and you're all yeah higher advanced stuff. So like depending on the faction you're playing, they play very very differently. Some of them, some of them. A lot of them have a lot of similarities, but there are some stark differences between a good chunk of the factions. But like, how do you? If so you're nomadic, how do you? How do you? Um, if you're playing as a nomadic uh, faction, how do you settle in a place that's near resources? Because when your enemies so already you all out, be near resources, like their settlements and their cities. 
So yeah, I didn't I didn't catch any of that. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was I was saying so you said if they're nomadic. Yeah, if, if you're then, nomadic, if you're one of the nomadic factions, how do you get access to like resources and stuff on a particular map? Because if you said there's like cities and stuff in each territory, wouldn't the cities right. already be situated yeah, near okay, so, those resources that you need? Um, that's kind of a <laughs> that's fun. So there are certain ways to get um those trade resources. Either you can get them through trade with uh. Uh, alliances. Oh, okay. I got you. Or, I got you. Or you can, um, because because you don't have the cities. Yeah. I think there's also certain ones you can build within your building roster for certain armies. Um, but I think honestly, for them, it's just not a big deal. Like you don't even really worry about it. Um, you because can also just, your whole thing. Yeah. What's that? You, sorry, I think you're getting to it. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. What was the that? Whole thing oh, you can do it. is you can raid, and uh, you can raid and loot and pillage. And kind of just brush over the landscape. And you can actually go from... Uh, when you go to attack a city, you don't just have to like, oh, obviously you're not going to occupy it. So you can sack it, or you can raise it. And if you raise it, that settlement is gone. Okay, I got you. <laughs> Until somebody recolonizes that area. And sometimes that just doesn't happen, because all of a sudden now this horde has become super massive and is like sweeping the map. So like half the map's been wiped out. <laughs> gotcha. It's crazy. It gets, cra- it gets crazy, yeah. It's. I think what really drew me to it is, you know, I've played Shogun games, I've played these games where, you know, they were based on re- real fights, based on real combat, so the limitations are like, okay, he has a spearman, he has slightly different spearmen, he has archers, he has longbow archers, because they invented longbows, oh, these guys are muskets, these guys are, you know, chain gun, you know, they're, they're usually very similar, because humans evolved the same, they all evolved the same technology at more or less the same times. This one is so drastically different. I had basically a giant statue, what's called a Hyrotitan, which shot lasers out of his eyes. And because he was based on the Egyptian style, so he had like the scales of judgment, and he was using that to just thwop through armies. Whereas on the other side, they had giant dinosaurs fighting me. And to me, that takes the Total War games to a whole new level. I, the fantasy version of this, I'm sorry, but they hit a gold mine. They need to just do Total War for a bunch of other universes. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I would love to see like a Lord of the Rings Total War. That would be phenomenal. That's a huge one. Um, that would be a, that would be a great one. Yeah, and I think that would be so easy for them to do. Oh, it'd be so awesome. My... I, I'd I'd be playing some Total War if that was the case. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm biased I mean, should, towards 40k, so I, I would love to see a 40k version, and that'd be really strange because there's a lot more ranged in that one, but. Well, there's a lot of me- but there is a lot of melee in uh, 40k though, and and I mean I don't think it would be that hard for them to do it. No, it wouldn't wouldn't at all. Instead of having yeah. uh, like provinces, you have planets. <laughs> yeah, or even just each of the planets is different territories, so you have different provinces on the planet, like different areas. On you're them. you're right. Yeah, you'd have each planet is a territory, and each sector is a province. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and, and like or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it could totally be done. So, you know, I, I've had to fill with that. It's one of those things where... It's one of those things where Dark Souls has changed my view on gaming again. Where, you know, a game like this where it's beating the shit out of me. I Because of Dark Souls, you know what? I'm okay with the whipping. Whip me, whip me harder. I'm loving it. <laughs> Kick my ass. Yeah. So you just have to no, wow. but I'm, I'm sick that you're in it though. It's all it's awesome actually getting out to play with Adam because uh, he, this is not something that's been a possibility. So it's been it's been fun. Well, there's a lot more games that I get to play now. So no, it's been good. Yeah. So Rob, those are my two playing and watching. Um, I haven't really done much else. I'm Sorry, spattering I had, a while I had to here step and out there. and put my phone on the table. I'm getting like really bad Wi-Fi reception <laughs> in uh, in the in the recording room. Um, oh. so anyway, was that, was that, uh, have you been watching anything or playing anything else? So I took your, um, I took your advice. I started watching Ozark. Ooh, I'm excited for so you. I haven't gotten there yet. I am done the I first season. Done. Okay. It, it's good. It's, I'm, I'm on the one where they're trying to start the casino, the, just at the start of the, the second season. Good, good, good. Yeah. Right. yeah. So the second season gets, gets a little bit better. And then, uh, and then the third season ramps up like exponentially. Like it's crazy. Yeah, I haven't been a huge fan of the second season so far, but I'm hoping it'll pick up. Um, I found that they made some leaps of things that they just didn't really discuss too much before. A good example is suddenly his wife 
uh, because they wanted to expand the story and include her more and do do a bunch yeah. of stuff. Suddenly, his wife is really good at politics oh, and knows yeah. people. And you're like, whoa! whoa, whoa. You, you mentioned this like you you helped at a campaign once, you know, a few years right, back. Right. Where's this coming from? And they, that was a step. They they lean into it. They lean into it a little bit harder in season three. But some other things that she does by the time season three rolls around, they actually give some more context to. Uh, and a lot of it has to do, a lot of the context has to do with other characters in the show that get developed alongside of her. So season three, I think, makes the most sense out of all of them. But you're right. There's definitely some leaps of faith in there uh, in so much as these are <laughs> regular people doing like insane money laundering crimes, among other things. Yeah, Bird seems more accountable. And then the other one is um, Ruth's dad is just suddenly out of prison because she talked how good he was. Like he's out on good behavior. Yeah. Like okay, they didn't really mention that. You know, why is this happening? What's going on here? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there were some leaps of faith, but I think they're like they sat there and they said they need to make these leaps of faith in order to get the story going into the direction they are now intending. So they clearly had an idea and then added on, added on more characters and are going from here. So I think these are the leaps of faith that will, it'll no longer be needed once you accept these. Yeah. And then, and then once season three rolls around, there's definitely some, some, you know, some gains, but also some attrition in many ways. So I think, I think you'll see that it all kind of balances out by then, but yeah, season two is solid. And then season three is just insane, dude, but you got to watch season two to get there. Yeah. So, no, that's pretty much what I've been up to. Sweet. Roberto? Oh, man, mine's going to be boring. <laughs> Total war? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Playing some of that. It's a great, great story there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, uh, uh, outside of that, I've been slowly finishing up getting through uh, uh, Castlevania. Oh, which one? Still the TV series? Yet. The Netflix yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Yep. Well, it's the last the last season. I just haven't had the time to come around to watching it. Right. So, um, Ozarks. I'm about to dive into though. Um, been going through a lot of Battlestar Galactica. Now that I've discovered that is on Amazon. <laughs> so good, dude. Um, That's the pleasures. new Battlestar Galactica, right? But the, the newer, yeah, newer. 2004 to 2008, yeah. I think. I think I would Something argue that, the yeah. one that is most famous for our people of our generation. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's not even like a, you look back at the old ones fondly because the old, old ones were just kind of uh, they were it was rough. <laughs> it's not like the old Star Trek where people looked at it and went, yeah, no, that was pretty good. We we built from that. They basically were shit, and then we they made them yeah. good. <laughs> I don't even think they had very good writing. Yeah, I at mean, least Star Trek could fall back on that. Yeah, that was yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy that Battlestar the original was there because if that was not the case, then we wouldn't have the remake. Um, but yeah, I think it's like it got the Final Fantasy VII treatment. Yeah, basically it was it, it was the, the it was Final Fantasy VII context. remake before Final Fantasy VII remake. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, outside of that, actually, um, more Beat Saber. I did some Beat Saber because I was feeling kind of sick. I was like, I, maybe I'm just not active enough, so I played some. Oh, Beat nice! Saber. Did, did it help? Nice, yeah. Yeah, actually, sweet. Did for like an hour, and then it, I just felt really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I mean, uh, did it help in the moment? Yes. Would I do it again? No. <laughs> um, I felt good for five seconds, but terrible for the remainder five hours. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's kind of what it was. Um, I mean, outside of that, so yeah, obviously Total War, whatever. Um, some Stellaris. Has been Wait, whatever. <laughs> Am I just a whatever to you? Playing yeah, whatever. Yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just Whatever we're on. playing co-op, we're we're playing co-op. When we play head to head, we can come, we can rehash this. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, played some more Dead by Daylight, which has uh, seen a drastic amount of improvement from back in the day, especially with like keeping your group together between games is now a thing. Yeah. What is <laughs> uh, how is Dead by? I've never actually played Dead by Daylight. So what, okay, so that's what's... actually something we may want to get you to scoop up at some point if we have like a, a night with a couple of hours to play. Okay. And because uh, it's, it's a cheaper game, uh, but it's a four v one, and so one person's a killer, and then the other four people have to escape. Um, and you can't hurt the killer. 
I'm, the killer has complete dominance I'm over hearing, you. What's that one game that I really, really, really liked, but we just it's hard to get enough people to play it. Uh, the one where Damned. Damned, yeah. I'm hearing Damned. Yeah, it's Damned, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a more refined version of Damned. Okay. Don't get me wrong, I love Damned. Damned is is a very different game at the same time, but like the the asymmetric multiplayer style of it, that's a very good analogy. Okay. Um, but in Dead by Daylight, people don't necessarily die on the first hit; they get hung up on a hook, and other people can try and save them. Ah, <laughs> oh, I see. I actually kind of want to try the so, Predator um, game. That's a variation of this. Like the Predator game looks so, insane. Um, played it. Actually, there oh, was you a did? You know, free weekend trial for it. Any good? Yeah. Uh, it was. It was. I mean, if you really like <laughs> it, Predator, just was. <laughs> it just was. It just It exists. There's, it's a the thing. The thing is, like, <laughs> there there are better asymmetrical multiplayer games. Okay. It is not. A, it's not a bad game by any means. It has moments that are genuinely yeah. fun. Um, but I mean, is it like worth like a seventy dollar price tag? No, it's like a twenty to thirty dollar game at best, mm. and I'm sure that that hurts to hear for anyone who's developed it. That will never hear me say those words. <laughs> but is it is it <laughs> and a full you shouldn't price care game? anyway? You should. Yeah, Ooh. I'm pretty sure. No, thanks. You know what? Hold on. Don't hold me to that. I don't know that's, that. That's like fact. saying like we know for certain that there's enough Predator fans out there to make this game. Yeah. successful and i just i don't know how they could possibly guess at that like the movies don't do incredibly well like i just i don't know who they think they're catering to yeah. here <laughs> yeah so like i'm assuming that they're catering to the avp game audience because there is a contingent of that fan base that are just based off the old alien versus oh, dude, there's gotta games. be like the best like game three ever. or four thousand people like <laughs> you know what i mean no like, no like no, though those games have got a lot more. Those games have got a following. It's just it's it's a franchise that really needs a reinvention. You know what I mean? Not not just in yeah. games, but in movies as well. And uh, and and unfortunately, just hasn't gotten that reinvention yet. So hopefully, I mean, Predator the last few movies sh- were great. Should be a show. Uh, the 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 last one I saw was Predators. That was the one with Adrian Brody. That was okay. That was pretty good. It was all right. Like uh, I didn't see the newest one though. Yeah, it was a popcorn flick. Yeah, I didn't see the newest one though. But uh, actually, I I just thought of something I watched. You guys would be so proud of me uh, because I got I got new cable and all of a sudden I have access to like every channel imaginable. And I've been watching Rick and Morty for the first time ever, like all the way through. Oh, so uh, I'm I'm I saw most of season one like years ago, but now I'm catching up on all the more recent stuff. And yeah, the show's like fucking amazing. Like it's so good. Well, I love a dumb dumb. Yeah, man, it's. <laughs> Dude, it's uh, it's just crazy good, and every episode is like such a departure, but it's also so like so self-referential and and irreverent, and it's just it's good, man. Like I, I just I'm really digging it, and, and I think uh, they just do a fantastic job on the show, and uh, I I love it there, there's moments that are just like so freaking dark, like uh, like oh, there's yeah. Oh, yeah. like I, I just passed one of the episodes, and I'm guessing there's more where they they essentially leave behind the reality they knew to join. Yes, to join a new, uh, like a different parallel <sighs> universe where that Rick and Morty just up and died, but it's roughly oh, the same universe, and it's just it's so that's dark. The Love Potion episode, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, just so yeah, dark the, because he he's like yeah. like Rick is fine, obviously, but Morty is like trying to come to terms with the fact that like this is this isn't the world he knows, you know what I mean? And 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 he completely destroyed the last world that he knew <laughs> because he wanted this stupid love potion. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then at the very end like the love potion that turned all these people into creatures on that version of earth two other rick and morty show up who are already those creatures <laughs> and it was yeah. just so i'm like the okay Cronenberg. yeah 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 it was it was just so good man like i i really really enjoyed that and um and then there was another episode that was just like, oh my god, like why is this so dark? And I think it was the one where Unity breaks up with Rick, and then he um, he essentially attempts to commit suicide but fails uh, because he like he passes out drunk yes. like in front of the machine right. right before it fries him. But it was just such like a dark moment. I was like, oh my god, like <laughs> this show could really take a turn quick. But I, I guess it's good TV yeah. because of that. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it though. I'm, I'm glad I'm finally getting around to it. It's it's great. I, I don't want to sit here and people talk about, oh, you have to be smart to watch. So I don't think that's true. No. Um, I'm, not, I'm not one of those guys. I'm not, I'm not very smart at all. 
<laughs> and, and I, I basically get what's happening. Yeah, I don't think that. I think that's what people talk about. How deep the show is. Like, I don't think it's that deep. It's it, it wears its colors on its sleeve. Yeah, but they just don't care. They're willing to talk about any topic at any time. Right, and I think they do. They always what what sets them apart is they they do a decent job at being a comedy and discussing dark concepts. Yeah, I think that's what draws people to it. Is it's dark funny. Oh, it it is dark funny. Like Rick, yeah. Rick tries to get Morty to go out with him to see a movie or something. In the next scene, they're just floating around out in space in Rick's ship, and Rick is yelling at these Borg people uh, to try and get <laughs> Unity to come out to like talk to him. Like it's just it's so ridiculous. <laughs> this is where it ends up. He's just the, drunkenly. Uh, Save summer episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 just so good, man. Like all the turns are hilarious. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, very dark humor, but right up my alley. Yeah, let us know when you do get to the uh, one where you see the mini-verse and the teeny-verse. I did. I did see that episode. Oh, you oh. did see that? Okay. <laughs> that was good. So, because <laughs> they get to the teeniest one, and then the guy's like, wait a second. He's like, we're just universe you created to power this thing, and then he just like flies his ship into the side of a mountain and kills himself. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so oh, ridiculous, shit. man. The The pickle, Rick? Oh, my God. Oh yeah, it's good, man. It's good. I, I'm I'm very impressed with it with the show, though. So I'm I'm glad I'm finally getting around to it. So anyway, sorry to hijack your playing good. and watching. <laughs> nah, it's fine. Um, yeah, like I mean, ultimately, I don't even really have much else to talk about uh, <laughs> as far as my stuff. So you kind of hijacked it at the right yeah, time. no, that's all right. We're coming up. We're coming <laughs> up on an hour here. Like, and... You took the ball and you tried to give it back to me, and I didn't <laughs> want it. <laughs> It was it was like a, a um, double alley oop, but you just missed it, man. Like we're out of this game. Well, like it's... I, actually, I'll, I'll quickly touch on something yeah. though. Um, uh, what's it? So there's a new MMO coming out, right? Um, yeah. So Amazon is putting out an MMO. Uh, it's called New World. Oh boy! So check it out. Interesting. It, it looks. Yeah, good. I'll, go, I'll go check it, it out. And maybe good. maybe we can dive a little bit into it. I didn't know that like, though. I didn't know that. Yeah, so I was kind of surprised too. You can actually get it through Steam though. Uh, so if you if you're a Steam player, I'd recommend yeah. doing that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it looks uh, it looks genuinely good. Maybe we should profile interesting, it. We we were just I was I was bringing this up with with um, plebeian wife Amanda, and <laughs> we were we were discussing how the most I watched gameplay uh, so far. The de- the beta stuff seems fairly flat and that's fine they'll they'll fix it up and clean it up um but nothing so far in the gameplay sticks out to me as super amazing but the amazon thing the fact that amazon is publishing and developing it seems to be the most interesting part of it and she brought up an interesting question which was do you think you get a subscription to the game with amazon prime (laughs) oh i almost think that the answer to that is yes that would I don't, be a pretty ridiculous value considering everything else you already get. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they will, but it's an interesting concept. I hope they do. That would be impressive. It, it would be. Is it that like would Second be Life? very impressive. No. No, it's like Dark Souls. What? <laughs> it's somewhere between yeah. like um, Elder Scrolls Online and Dark Souls. It's, it's what happens if you mix those two. Wild. Yeah. Um. So it... And I mean, it's too early to say yeah. is the yeah. thing I've got. I'm going to have access to the beta on the 29th of August, I think, or something yeah. like that. Um, so I'll talk more about it then. Uh, but it it looks like it's um, trying to take a stab at the next generation of what an MMO should be. So I'm I'm interested to see how it plays out because it's not just a combat game, but you have like your own house to you know collect shit, nice. whatever. But there's a whole thing about people owning physical territory in the game oh and, uh, so it's orna like, guilds and stuff like that <laughs> yeah yeah but orna the thing is though that the virtual space yeah yeah but with virtual space and the and the neat thing about it is that they've got this whole system where if you want to attack to take a castle let's say you have to essentially initiate a war a war declaration on that other guild and then you will tell them they, they will give you a time window and in that time window, you can attack and take their castle. 
So the idea is that they will be on guard for that time to simulate that their characters would actually be there. So the idea is that like it's like there's a there's a a meta game that happens around the game. And there's supposed to be like a bunch of political shit and crafting and stuff. It looks like it's going to be pretty cool. That sounds actually right up my alley. That sounds like a super evolved version of Orna, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it, I mean, it could be. Uh, it looks neat, and it does. They don't hold you to a class in the game, so you can switch classes uh, at will, supposedly. Oh, interesting. Um, so it'll it'll be really neat to see how that actually plays out. Like, I'm sure it's like you you go to like a rest area change your class sure. like change your gear yeah, yeah. and then you go out but i think like i think you can change i bet it's i bet it's time. the gear that keeps you from doing it though because i i bet the, there will be gear that's specific to a class i, I bet that's how it'll happen Could yeah, be. yeah so so you may it might slow you down we'll, we'll wait and see so anyway yeah let's let's profile that on the next episode that's a good idea so in the meantime that's really all i got we are just over an hour here is it okay to finish up here did we have anything else no, that's uh, that's good. Sweet. For me. All right, so I'll be pumping out two episodes this week of Rona Geek Official Podcast. I'm posting 84 <laughs> later on tonight. 85 will likely be posted by like Friday, and then uh, if we record next week, that'll be three episodes in a two week span, which I'm pretty excited about. And uh, of course, I do have the videos up on the Rona Geek YouTube now. I have the Tulip retrospective, which was just posted last week, as well as the Final Fantasy VII retrospective. So if you're into Final Fantasy VII yeah, remake, but... you can go back and learn about where it all came from, where it all began, and understand some of these names that I was talking about earlier on the episode when we profiled the remake version of the game. Uh, Tulip is just a weird fucking game that has a really weird backstory too, so you gotta go take a look at that. So these are uh, visuals, these are videos, uh, full productions that you can go and see on YouTube right now. Uh, and it's totally free, unless you want to give us money, in which case hit up our Patreon. And that's really that's really all the messaging <laughs> I got for today. So anyway, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening, and this is Alex Austin signing off. Isolation, Plebeian Adam. And Rob, thanks very much. All right, talk to you later. See you guys.